Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today is what we call lovingly tell Dell Tuesday, where we bring on uh, one or more investors to discuss their history, what they did, how they uh, got involved, and their successes and challenges and so forth. And the reason I do this, just so you know, is that I think it's important to realize that every one of us is a little bit different. We have some similarities. Our similarities lie in our desires to get ahead, probably, and our desires for the world to be fair, whatever it is, that, you know, the, the common good of all. But deep down inside, each one of us is just a little bit different with a little bit different background. So by bringing different people on for the last 30 years, and that's how long I've been doing this. In fact, we do it every month. For 30 years, we've done this now. On the radio, we do it every week. But when we did it in live classes, it was every month in every city we were in all over the country for 30 years. And you think, well, how can there be that many successful people? There is, folks. This thing's been going on for 30 years, and there are tens of thousands of people that have succeeded in real estate investing, many thousands of which have retired by doing exactly what we're going to talk about today. The couple I have on today is a little unique in the perspective because they started as national members, which means they were not living in a city where we had an office. In the beginning, when we started doing the national People would just fly into Houston or fly into Dallas and take the classes and spend time with us there and then go back to their city and do work. And we'd help them over the phone or over the Internet, however we had to help them. But past that, we've gotten to the point where we actually have our national mentors and we have other people called ambassadors, which are local members that hold group meetings in those local areas. And these folks have been through all of that. They started at the infancy of the national program and worked their way through it. In fact, let me just give you a few accolades here. They currently hold somewhere around 2,617 units. Of those, 19 of those apartment complexes are passive deals, 14 of them are single-family houses and two apartment complexes they were the lead investors in. Their lead portfolio is roughly around 300 units, and they've obtained every educational award you can obtain for investing in real estate. Having succeeded themselves, they were kind enough to come back when we asked them and become national mentors since they were the first to go through the product and the program. They have the most understanding of what a member from outside of our cities we have offices in had the need for. I'm going to bring in Greg and Nicole Scott. Thank you for having us on, Dell. Well, guys, welcome and thank you for all that you do for us. Uh, Greg is a presenter. Nicole is a mentor. It's uh, really great that you're giving back and to be in that point in your life with all these successes, to be at the point in your life where you have enough time and energy to give back. That's a wonderful thing. Living in uh, Michigan, I guess you were both working for Ford at the time? Yeah, uh, we were working for Ford, and starting about 1999, the automotive industry was shrinking a bit, or at least the American automotive manufacturers were shrinking a bit. And a lot of the promotions and uh, raise opportunities started drying up. So 
we started looking for opportunities to grow and to achieve our own financial freedom. And probably a real threshold event for us was in 2008, about 30% of our friends were let go because of the Great Recession. And that really lit a fire under us. And we decided that real estate was what we needed to do. Well, I think it's interesting that you just dove in and you came to the conclusion that many other people come to, which I think is a fallacious <laughs> belief system. But you said, hey, we don't want to deal with all the taxes, tenants and toilet stuff. So let's go flip houses because that's easy. <laughs> we uh, we watched too much HGTV. <laughs> but yeah, we thought we could do a flip and... Uh... It actually ended up, we found that there's a higher-end community here in Metro Detroit called Birmingham. After searching for quite a while, I found a house that was in foreclosure. It looked like with this flip, we could make 100000 bucks, and that was just a you know, carrot dangling in front of us. Unfortunately, we closed on it the week that the big three laid off a bunch of people, and nothing sold in this community for many, many months. So even though we got that place turned around really quickly, we made it beautiful, uh, we just couldn't sell it. And we had outlaid a whole bunch of cash to buy it and fix it up, and we were spending about $3,000 a month just to just to pay the mortgage and keep the uh, electricity on, and it was getting pretty nervous, and we were running short on cash. We were lucky that my realtor was really smart, and somebody came in and said he'd like to buy the house. He didn't think he could, and my realtor asked why. And he said, well, I don't think I could sell my house in this market, which is a much smaller house. And my real it was actually a condo, yeah. My, but my realtor said, I'll bet you uh, the owners of this house would love to buy that much cheaper house. So we actually got most of our money back, and the price point of this uh, place and the location made a pretty good rental. So we went from negative $3,000 a month cash flow to basically cash flow neutral. And after doing that for a year or so, we realized that actually owning rent property wasn't that hard. Yeah, it's interesting that people have this fear of rental property because they really have a fear of interaction with people, I think is what it is. They just don't know how to sell. They don't know how to collect. They don't know how to do accounting and so forth. So to them, for some reason, this flipping stuff really looks easy. But what I want to get across while you're here to to confirm that, there's so many variables that are costly variables that it's hard to even overcome, like not being able to sell, like running into a recession, like all of a sudden you can't get materials. There's so many things that are variables, whereas I've got whatever it is, eight apartment complexes, and yeah, we had some pipes break, but people didn't leave. Nobody moved out. We just come in, you know, sucked up the water, put it in new carpet, and go on down the road. Those are variables, but they're not condemning variables. So would you confirm for us now that it is actually riskier to flip than it is to buy rental properties? Well, I think our story was aligned with your thinking. We very much agree that it is riskier. And to make matters worse, this was such a high-end neighborhood, it didn't make any sense to even try to rent it. So we only had one exit strategy, and that was to sell out. And we just got very lucky that it didn't kill us. Well, I'm glad you got out of that because it didn't kill you, and it allowed you to move on. And, you know, what doesn't kill you (laughs) will teach you things, right? So where'd you go from there? What was the next step to finding your way into what you're doing now? Yeah, so after a year of realizing that owning rent property wasn't that hard, and learning as much as we could about how rentals work and and the value and the wealth that they create, we decided that it'd probably be a better strategy to buy rent property. And this was before we found lifestyles. And so we started looking towards turnkey rentals. But we made a decision, and this actually ended up being part of the reason we ultimately found lifestyles, is that the rental property here in Detroit tends to go up and down in value with the automotive space. And we were trying to find income that would be counter-cyclical to automotive. So we started buying rent properties out of state, and they did okay. You know, they certainly did better than the stock market and such, but we just weren't completely happy with the returns. And 
we started searching for ways to do better, and that's actually where we discovered lifestyles. I ran across a podcast and you know, started listening to it, and that, that was a really a moment that really changed our lives. So let me cut in here just a second, because people listening might be listening about real estate for the first time, and the terms we throw around sometimes throws them off. What we're talking about, folks, is that he's buying a property where some other investor went in and did all the hard lifting. He bought it cheap, he renovated it, and he made his profit selling it to them, to Greg and Nicole. They were willing to take less profit. They're taking the loss of the big chunk of profit to get the cash flow because there's less work. Today we have on Tell Dell Show, the Greg and Nicole Show out of uh, Michigan. And uh, they had started out, first of all, buying a home to do a flip on ran into challenges with that, got out of that deal, traded down into a condo, found the secret that I've told people, don't buy condos because association fees take away all of your profits, so you're actually cash flow neutral, if not negative. And then they made the next move, which was to decide to buy turnkey single-family rental houses where you let somebody else do the hard work, make the big profit on the front end, you buy the house and hold it for the rental income. And so Greg or Nicole, who wanted to pick this one up, what did you learn from that experience and what drove you to go beyond it and leave that behind? Well, I think we've talked about all the mistakes we made. We were just constantly trying to find a way to achieve financial freedom. So we were trying to educate ourselves and get better and smarter and make more money. And, and that was what led us to lifestyles. And uh, once we finally discovered lifestyles, it, the education just completely changed the way we do things. You know, I I ask you a question here, and this is really self-serving, so I hope people in the audience don't get all upset. But the truth of the matter is, the 500 bucks you came in and listened to the first two-day seminar, did you get more in the two-day seminar than you got in all the years of experience of working and trying to do it yourself? I think the main thing about the the two-day seminar was it was just so eye-opening to us. You know, there are a lot of technicalities and just tons of information that Lifestyles has in its different courses, but the the amount of opening up of the mind uh, was pretty powerful in the two-day. Well, I was heading a different direction. I don't have any problem with that. I was heading in the direction of think about all the costs of learning by by doing. Learning by doing has costs. And so when people think about, should I go buy educational materials or not, you know, they always go, boy, that costs money. So yeah, it costs money, but think what it saves you in money. So that was the area I was going with, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll let that one lie. Like I said, it was self-serving, so I had to throw it out there. But no, really, it's true that there's just anything I do, I go find the experts first to do it. So we'll move on from there. You came to Lifestyles, you went to the two-day. What were your epiphany moments in the two-day? I always like to ask people that. Um, I'll take this one, Dell. For me, Greg's been kind of covering our history because he was really the driving force behind us getting into real estate. Uh, and really, it was all of his hard work and digging to learn that we both benefited from, even though he was saying us and we, it was really him that was, you know, driving most of that at the time. For me, going into the two-day, you know, we had basically, you know, done everything that you tell people not to do. And so we had some chuckles at ourselves during the single family day. But what really started to open our eyes was learning about multifamily because that really wasn't even on our radar. Learning about all of the tax benefits. And my background is in finance and accounting. So that really spoke volumes to me because 
when you can lay out math for me, it's really hard to poke holes in math because it's math. It's pretty straightforward. And if you know, if you have that background and the math works, it's really hard to dispute what you're being taught. And so for me, that was a really big eye-opener. Yeah, I bet as a finance and accounting person, that was a big thing for you. Greg, a marketing side of it, did you saw what you could do with an apartment being a marketing guy, that you, you could see that sales were something you could handle? Oh, yeah, I wasn't so worried about the operational side and getting it leased up. For me, I'm an engineer, and I have an engineering background, too, so all the technicalities of how the process comes together was really important. I loved learning about hard money. And I had not had any exposure to apartments, so all the math about how people make money in apartments was totally new to me. So I found that very eye-opening. So we're sitting here, you've gone through the two-day, you've got information on both single-family now uh, from a different point of view than yours perspective, and also brand-new multifamily. What did you guys decide to do right out of the blocks? I always like to hear the the fly-in-the-wall conversation at breakfast the next day. Yeah, well, actually, initially, we were hoping to replicate the lifestyles model up here, just try it out. But in the Great Recession, all of the hard money lenders in Detroit had gone out of business. <laughs> so we went a different route. Instead, we uh, we upgraded preferred membership and decided to start buying single families in Dallas. And one of the things that blew me away, Dell, this gets back to your question from a, a minute or so ago. When we bought this single family house, in the first single family house in Dallas, we captured so much equity at the time of purchase, that we more than paid for our preferred membership. So I know these people talk about it costs to join Lifestyles, but in this case, it actually costs nothing. I gained money from joining Lifestyles and paying for that membership. Excellent. Excellent. So you started out buying houses from Michigan that were in Dallas. Is that right? Yes, yes that's sir. correct. I think we bought nine in total over, over the course of time. So, Nicole, you've now become a national mentor because of that experience. You know it so well. Give us some highlights of what you think is important as a national mentor and your ability through Lifestyles to live where you want and buy where you need to. It's an interesting journey to go through. You know, we took the learnings from all the classes and what everybody does in Texas. And, you know, we're a little bit nervous, of course, about trying to apply that same learning outside of Texas. And, you know, for our first multifamily property, we purchased a property that was pretty small because we wanted to make sure that we could make it work, that the model worked, you know, here too. And it absolutely worked anywhere. And just getting that confidence and building your team, you know, there's a lot of local people that you need as part of your team, your plumbers and your, you know, general contractors or, you know, other people, maintenance, staffing and things like that. So there are some regional differences um, that you have to learn. And that's one of the cool things about being a national mentor now is I'm learning all of those things, you know, across the country and helping members purchase property where it makes sense to, whether or not they actually live next door or not. It's, uh, it's extremely rewarding. And everything I've learned, I have learned through Lifestyles Unlimited or from doing it wrong <laughs> before we joined. So, um, you know, it's not like we had some great business background in this field before we joined Lifestyles. We've really developed it as, as being members and being part of our like-minded community, and that has just been life-changing for us. You reminded me of something, Nicole, way back when I was a mentor in the beginning of all this. One of the benefits of being a mentor 
was that I got to watch everybody else's mistakes so I didn't make them. I got to learn by thousands of people's tries. Stop waiting, stop sitting around, stop procrastinating. This is your time, make it happen. Do it now. When's the best time? Now. People go, well, I don't know. It's going to crash. It's going to be better next year. It's, I've got to listen to four more classes. I love guys come up to me and tell me, you know, I've been listening to you on the radio for eight years now, right? I go, and you're not rich yet? Well, really, I'm thinking about joining next month. Do it now. Learn the skills you need to retire with real estate in five years or less. Do it now. Register for the Lifestyles Unlimited free online workshop. Lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Greg and Nicole Scott out of Michigan. And for those of you tuning in right now, they have 2,617 total units. They've got 14 single-family houses. They have 19 apartment complexes that they're invested passively in with other lead investors. They are themselves lead investors in two apartment complexes. They total around 300 units. Uh, they have also progressed up to be Nicole's a mentor for lifestyles, a national mentor. And uh, Greg is a presenter. Center, uh, which is a teacher for us. So welcome back, guys. And let's talk about you did the single family houses, you bought them turnkey, then you went and started buying single family houses through the lifestyles program and started getting larger profits from that. So I can see the benefit there. What then made you decide to try passive investing? Well, when we would uh, come down to Texas to visit before you know, lifestyles was growing nationally like they are now, we would travel when there was both a single-family event, multi-family event in the same weekend. And so we would attend both. So although our focus initially was buying single-family rentals, we were learning at that time about multi-family. And at some point, we decided to, you know, kind of dip our toe in the water and start investing passively. We had met a number of wonderful people when we would travel, and timing worked out well. And at the end of 2014, started investing passively and got into several deals at the end of 14 and, and early in 2015. So as a passive investor, I always ask, which do you put more value on, the lead investor, which we call the jockey, and, or the property, which we call the horse. So which one do you think that the property choice is more important or the lead investor choice is more important? Well, for me, it's definitely the jockey. I want to pick lead investors that I think have good skill sets that lend themselves well, or perhaps they've owned multifamily property before and so they have a proven track record. A good lead can make a tough situation good or or minimize, you know, that bad situation. And, you know, surprises do happen. Bad things do happen in properties occasionally. And we certainly have had those kinds of experiences as well. And you need to have somebody who can think on their feet. And for me, like I said, it's, it's the jockey that's driving the, the horse. 
certainly we look at the property and the area and, you know, take the market into consideration as well. But more of the weight is on the jockey. Greg, do you feel the same way? Absolutely. Actually, for me, <laughs> I, I, I don't even consider it almost the conversation of waiting to me doesn't make sense. If there's somebody I'm not comfortable with, I won't invest with them at all. So I like to think of them almost as filters. If I like the person and I am comfortable with them, I will consider deals with them, and then I and then I look at the property and make sure I like the property too. That sounds exactly the way I see it. That's about the way I think about it. So nineteen of these things, guys. Did you get a little crazy over or what? Nineteen apartment complexes. I mean, two thousand six hundred units, guys. Two thousand six hundred. You had a condo at one time. Yeah, yeah. we've grown. We've learned. You know, I, I want to add one of the other things that we love uh, where Lifestyles is now is we're invested in properties in six different states. So we've got properties all over the United States that we never visit, and they just send us checks. Absolutely. It's <laughs> it, it's, it's <laughs> it was just the end of fourth quarter. We just got checks, man. I'm, just, I'm like, in January, yeah, it's great. They all come in. That's true. I've got uh, two. Let's see. I've got two in Houston, I think. And all the rest of my stuff is other cities. Yeah. No one city has more than one in it, and they're all over the place. And I think that that's kind of a neat thing. Like you said, you diversify marketplaces. What if there's a disaster in that city, or what if there's a you know job loss in that city? Being all over the place, I think, is much safer than having all your eggs in the same basket, right? Yeah, totally agree. And it gives you the opportunity to invest in markets that you couldn't personally own in because they're just you know, geographically too far away. And, you know, you've got to keep your eye on your investments. So being able to invest passively and having that lead investor be boots on the ground and their team that's managing the day-to-day, you know, allows you to really invest anywhere that makes sense. Absolutely. I think there's also, I think you alluded to this, is that there might be marketplaces that are in a better economic position for being a buyer's market at that time. Like I've seen Houston where we just bought everything. There was nothing left. So we decided, you know what? I think I'm going to go to outside of Houston. Let's go to Dallas, see what we can do, right? And then right. Dallas and San Antonio, then San Antonio to Austin, then Corpus Christi, and then out. So we had to go chase you guys down all over the country, right? So it's it's a crazy thing, but I think you're right. It's more opportunity. So you're going along. You, you've got this system down. You've got your houses. You've got your passive deals. Then what made you decide to change again and become lead investors? Well, we had made some just amazing friends, you know, within the Lifestyles group. And actually the folks that we had invested passively with, who were leads themselves, you know, we became pretty close with them. And they started giving us a little push. You know, it was clear that we were interested. We were getting their monthly reports and we were always asking questions and when we would visit. You know, we just, we had a great passion for the business. And so they started saying, well, how come you're not doing this where you live? And we started working with one of the mentors at the time, J.B. Durham, who's awesome, and one of my colleagues now who I just adore. And through working with him and researching and making sure that we felt comfortable, we ended up syndicating a property here in Michigan believe it was the first syndication outside of Texas with Lifestyles members. So that was kind of a 
a scary and exciting thing all at the same time. So you did yours before they did those down in Georgia and Atlanta area? Yes, sir. Yeah, we bought Louisiana. Our first in 2016. We syndicated oh. in early 2016. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So that worked out well. And I've got a question for you. Which one are you the touchy-feely? Let's, let's guess and say it's Nicole. Maybe Greg has a better answer to this, though, being an engineer. Engineers don't like to give away other people their secret information. That's a, I don't know. I just guess, but you know, do you think about that? What do you guys feel about the fact that these guys were pushing you? Now think about it. I could see it if it was multi-level marketing and by pushing you into going into their downline, they would make money off of you, but they're making nothing off of you and they're pushing you to get wealthier and to go out there and, and do what they're doing, become competition them. How does that happen guys in this world, in this time and place? That's one of the most amazing things about this group that I love so much. So I guess you're going to say I'm the touchy-feely one. (laughs) And you're right in that, you know, when you have good friends, you want what's best for them, not necessarily what may be best for you. And so our friends wanted what was best for us, and they could see something in us that I don't know that we necessarily saw at that time. And just bringing it up in conversation a few times, allowed us to kind of open our minds to that and start having that thought process. And it took us a little while to kind of come around to it and, and, you know, educate ourselves from that perspective, because being the steward of other people's money is just such a huge responsibility. We wanted to make sure that we were ready to do that. And ultimately, we decided that we were. That is so true. You know, when I was a lead investor, I always worried way more about the properties that I was a lead on than any of the ones I owned myself free and clear because I never worried about me. I just worried about the people who I had their life savings sitting in my hands, right? So I agree with you. That is a scary thing. What did you like about the the small one other than the fact that it was small? Was there anything attractive to you? And you've got only 30 seconds to give me some kind of an answer to that. I'd say the only thing that we found really attractive was it was small. (laughs) You know, the market wasn't as competitive as Texas, so we actually got a pretty good price. We paid $58,000 a door for a C-class property, which in Texas I think was probably more like eighty or 90000 at that time. With me here today on Tell Dell is Greg and Nicole Scott out of Michigan, and they currently are sitting at 2,617 total units of that 19 apartment complexes. They're invested in passively, 14 single-family homes they own directly, and they are the lead investor in two deals. We've discussed one, the small 24 unit they did as the first deal. And let's talk about this. You got a total return, it says here on this handout, of 144%. Tell us how you got to the 144% return on this project. That's very good for your first project? One of the questions you had before with the break was, what, what did we like about the property? And actually, one of the things we saw when we were looking at this one, the, all the units were roughly the same size. They were all two bedrooms, one bath, pretty similar square footage. And some of the units had much higher rent than other ones, and they were the ones that were fixed up. So we realized that we could you know, raise the revenue over time. So as residents moved out, we fixed up the units. We fixed up about 80% of them. And when we total up all the cash flow distributions that we gave to our investors, plus the equity at the end that we distributed, it was a total return of 144% in right around four years. Now, did you sell this? Oh, yeah, you did. You sold it just last year. Yeah, we just sold it actually during the pandemic in September of 2020. Wow. 
that's not even a good time to sell, and you still made great return. Here we go now into the big kahuna. Let's talk about the mindset you had to wrap yourself around or had to wrap around you, however you put that, about going into a 272-unit complex after only running a 24-unit. Yeah, I about had a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) That was quite a jump, certainly. You know, go big or go home, right? We learned from our fellow Texans. And, uh, we, you know, obviously we had proved to ourselves and to others that, you know, the model works. And when you find an opportunity that the numbers work, the numbers work. And we had been looking for quite some time for another property and, you know, had gone to best and final on multiple and just kept losing out. And this one came up and, yeah, it was, you know, a bit bigger than what we were initially thinking we wanted, but it worked. So we went for it. Tell us the attributes of this deal. What makes it a good deal? Well, this one is in Indianapolis. There's a lot that we like about the laws of the state of Indiana and the Indianapolis market itself. It's got really good growth metrics, very, very landlord-friendly and business-friendly, which is great. The property itself, there was a lot of similarities to what I just mentioned about our 24-unit. When we looked at it, there were some units that had been fixed up, and they were getting $150 more a month in rent than ones that were not fixed up. And so that gave us a really good indication that within that same property, if we just started fixing up the units, we could drive at least $150 a month rent. Now, we didn't stop there. We actually did a little nicer upgrade than the previous owner was doing. And we've been getting $212 a month rent bumps on every unit that we're fixing up. Man, that's massive. That is massive. How many units have you turned so far that way? We've done about 65 of the 272 with a complete renovation. And then there were some that were renovated about 10 years ago, and we're doing a lighter upgrade on those, and we're getting about, I think it's about $100 a month on those, but it doesn't cost nearly as much for us to upgrade those. Yeah, I understand. Do you find that having a blended portfolio makes it easier to stay full, having more expensive ones, less expensive ones, so you have variable offerings to people? Or do you think it's problematic because you get different kinds of people living together? No, I mean, for the particular property uh, in Indianapolis that we have, having the variety, it has been a good thing. Obviously, some of the residents have been there a long time, and we, we like to keep the folks that pay well, are nice to have in the community. And so, you know, we like to work with them for the ones that do choose to move out or are asked to move out. You know, we take the opportunity to grow the income as much as we can. I see here that you had a challenge on this property. <laughs> got hit by a tornado a and you property. got a fire. So a fire, you, yeah. you now I want to find out if you guys taken the classes on hazard insurance and how to make money with it. Did you guys come we out okay did. on those? Yeah, we yeah. sure did. In 2012, I took a class that was called Public Adjuster. It's no longer on the Lifestyles Group. It's been replaced by a newer one, but I learned a ton from that and. Yes, sure enough, we had a $750,000 claim on the tornado, and through that, we upgraded many other units. It was paid for through insurance, and then we got $92,000 of loss of rents paid for by insurance. So it was a bit painful that, that, you know, while we were getting it all fixed up, because we had a lot of units that were down, so the income wasn't great while those units were down, and there was a lot of bureaucracy that we had to deal with. But by the time it all got put back together, we were in great shape. Been there, done that, and I don't think anybody out there can understand it unless they've been through it with an expert. So the expert keeps you calm. Don't worry about it. We're going to get this done. It's just a process. 
step by step. And as you go through it step by step, you come out the other end, you see the numbers and the money. I've not seen too many people that don't benefit. Now, I'm not telling people to go burn their place down or try to move into a storm zone, but I'm just telling you, it's one of the big fears that most people live with, they're afraid of, you know, that you're just not going to cover everything with the insurance and it's going to come out of pocket and you're down down time. But when you get that loss of rents in there too, it works out well. Now, if you don't do it right, folks, it could eat your lunch. So I want to make sure that everybody understands that. you got to do it right. All right, so we got through those. Uh, let's see, 2020, we had a fire. So that's recent, September 2020. That one's all taken care of yet? Well, in fact, our roof trusses are being put on today. As you mentioned, there is quite a bit of bureaucracy and time that it takes, and we had to get state approval and blah, blah, blah. Now, from the files of Del Wamsley. The processes that are around your life will eventually dissolve. They will eventually be completely out of control. This is kind of an intellectual argument, an emotional argument, and then a logistics argument all at the same time. So I apologize if I'm going back and forth from emotional to logistical to intellectual, but I'm gonna go all over the place because this really is all over the place. That is the problem in life is that everything is all over the place and everything just goes crazy. And you sometimes just look up and go, What in the heck is happening to my life? You've heard me say that I don't work in my business. I don't. But there is an amount of time necessary to work on your business. I try to hire the very best people out there to operate my business, to work in my businesses, so that I don't need as much time on the outside working on my business. That is my goal. Thanks for coming on the show. And for the rest of you out there, remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.